So there's this nun, and she teaches at a Catholic school, and she's got this reputation for perfectionism. And, and she loved to give out tests and quiz almost every day, and there were always multiple choice. And then she'd announce, I want you to choose from one of the above. Well, her reputation preceded her after she had passed away, and very affectionately, she was known as none of the above. <laughs> All right. Reputations. What do we know about them? Well, you know, your ideal is what you wish you are, and yet your reputation is what other people say you are. Now, we're in week number seven of a sermon series. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. We're looking at how we can have wisdom to foolproof our lives. And, and we've looked at how to foolproof our temper and how to foolproof our families and our friendships and our schedules and even our sexuality. Well, today I want us to take a look at a verse. It's Proverbs 22.1. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And the message translation of that same verse, it simply says a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. And a gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. I love that phrase, a sterling reputation. So what do you think? Is your reputation sterling at work, at home, in the family, in that circle of influence that you have? Well, you know, just as a tree is known by its fruit, our reputation is founded in what others see in our lives. The definition of a reputation is a belief or opinion that's generally held by someone or something, and it's a widespread belief that someone or something has particular habits, particular characteristics. And it is true that our reputation can get tainted by lies and rumors and gossip but most of the time we earn our reputation by the things we do, by the things we say, by the people that we hang around with. And our goal isn't to have a good reputation so we look good, but we're Christians, we're children of God, and our reputations can put a bad name on God and his church. Now, we also know about reputations that they're very fragile, I like George Washington said, a reputation once broken may possibly be repaired, but the world will always keep their eye on the spot where the crack was. That's interesting about our reputations, isn't it? And when we look in the Bible, there's, there's Bible characters that had reputations. So there's some with bad reputations like Cain and Goliath and Jezebel and Herod and Judas. And then we have ones that have reputations that were really good ones, like Job and Joseph and Enoch. Uh, and then Thomas, we all know his reputation is that of being a doubter. And we know that Satan's reputation is being a liar or a deceiver. And David has a reputation of being an adulterer and then as being a good king. So let's get personal. What's your reputation? What's your reputation right in this church family? What's your reputation when you walk out the door? And do those reputations match? Or are we kind of hypocritical in one area or the other? And so the big question for us to think about is, who am I? Who are you? And the truth to be told, we're all sinful. We all fall short. We all miss the mark. And yet we know the power of the sweet gospel. You hear it here every single week. You read it in God's New Testament of his love. And it's that sweet gospel that changes our identity. God died for you. 
because he wants you to be his child, you to be forgiven, and you to have eternal life. We become forgiven children of God. And because of what Jesus did for us, and because of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we're called to reflect that love everywhere we go, in everything that we do, to have a reputation of being a Christ follower. So, again, the question for you to think about is, what's your reputation? And would the Lord be pleased with your reputation at work? How about your reputation in the neighborhood? Reputation when you're playing sports or going to school. Every morning, one of my prayers is for the Lord to help me be a man of God and a man of integrity with every situation I face that day. That I have the integrity to be Christ's follower and to glorify him in the good days and the bad days. One of my favorite sections of scripture has two very opposite Uh, actions that result in reputations for people. It's Galatians 5. And if we start in verse 19, it says the acts of the flesh. So we're not going to have good results here. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Wow. Hopefully, that doesn't describe the reputation that you're known as as you go about your daily life. And yet we know that the Holy Spirit wants to produce good fruit in and then through you. So what does that look like? Well, the very next verse, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, when we talk about fruit of the Spirit, we're not talking about the spiritual apples and grapes and pears here. We're talking about what's going on in the orchard of your life. We know that we're sinful and fall short, and yet God wants us to celebrate the fact that we can have Christian character, and the Holy Spirit wants to produce that character in us and through us. And the goal of us is to have a good reputation, one that glorifies God, one that reflects his character. So I could do a sermon on every one of these, and yet we're not going to, but we're going to touch upon each of these nine areas there. And I hope you grabbed an outline on the way in. If you don't usually use them, use them today. What I really like you to do as I go through these nine fruit of the spirit ideas and virtues, I want you to circle a number that reflects what your reputation is. Not what you want to be or you think hopefully you are. What do you think people see in you? So let's start out with the word loving. So what do you think? Do you have a reputation of being a loving person or maybe a little bit hateful in a lot of areas? Now, I know you jump right in and say, oh, I'm a loving person. I bought my spouse a box of chocolate candy on Valentine's Day, so I'm good here. And not what we're talking about here. And I think a better way to look at it is, are you a person who is loving to others or only loving to yourself? See, are you self-centered or others-centered? Do you care about people's needs? Do you show help to people that are in need, whether at home or whether at work or just strangers on the street? Proverbs uh, 10, verse 12 said, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. See, now we love only because God first loved us. 
God is love. What a great section of scripture we find here in 1 John. It says we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he's seen, cannot love God, whom he's not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must love his brother. Jesus did, right? Jesus loved all people. Jesus took care of the sick and the poor and the needy. How do you do in this area? What do you think? I want you to mark on the, on the outline there where there's a line there that says hateful, or you could call it self-centered and loving. What number do you think your reputation would be? So just jot that and make a circle around there. You don't have to show your neighbor at all. I want you to really be honest with this. Or how about joyful? You know, joyful is different than happy. See, happy and sad are just emotions, and they depend on the situation. So they're up and down like a roller coaster. But joy is very different. It's an inside job. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit working in you. And you can have joy regardless of circumstances, good days and bad days. You can be filled with joy. You can be sad and still be filled with joy. And why is that? Because God loves you every day. Proverbs 15.30, the cheerful look of a messenger brings joy to your heart and good news gives health to your body. Now, I know that all of us, all of us have these issues that try to steal our joy. Uh, they try to make us feel miserable instead of joy-filled. Maybe dealing with COVID has put you in that place. Uh, maybe financial or physical or relational issues have been beating at you. And yet 1 Thessalonians 5, look at those first two words. Rejoice always. There's no asterisk. There's no time you shouldn't be joy-filled because that's you and God. And then to pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in your outline, are you seen as a reputation of being kind of miserable all the time? Or joyful or somewhere in the middle? Mark a number there. And then how about peaceful? Peaceful is an interesting word. I think we just like the sound of the word peaceful. It just brings a smile to our face. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So I was thinking, so what does a peaceful life look like? Well, I think there's an unmistakable ability to enjoy every single moment. I think that there is a loss of interest in judging other people. I think there's a loss of interest in conflict. I certainly think there's frequent episodes of appreciation, contented feelings of our relationship with the Lord, and frequent attacks of smiling. That's what joyful is. And I know that our life is upside down and it wants to steal that joy from us and, and family dynamics and, and upending economies and all that. But God's peace is with us at all times. We have peace in our lives. It's going to reveal who our Lord is. Who's our Lord? Well, the one that does this in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So what are other people seeing you? Are you peaceful even when you're facing a storm of life? Put a circle or an underline around one of those numbers somewhere between are you seen as a reputation of being conflicted all the time 
or peaceful all the time. And then patient. Oh, boy, I just hit a sore spot with most of you, and I hit one with me. I struggle with this myself. It's hard to be patient. But Proverbs 16 says, better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. You know, now as humankind, our impatient caused us to have to invent things like microwave meals, faster computers, minute rice, instant coffee, fast food, and on and on and on. And yet we see in 1 Corinthians that love is patient. Patient for God's timing. Throughout the Bible, we see people having to wait. Uh, We see Noah. He had to wait 120 years for the flood to come. And Moses and the people, they had to wander for 40 years before they entered the promised land. And, And Abraham had to wait for a son. And Jacob had to wait for Rachel. Joseph had to wait in jail. And mankind is waiting for the second coming of the Lord. There's a couple. They have three kids. They're in San Francisco, and they're in line. They're going to get tickets to take a boat ride out to see Alcatraz. And uh, others watched with varying degree of sympathy and irritation as these kids were just acting terribly, fidgeting, whining, punching each other. And and they tried to to reprimand them, but just to no avail. And, And finally, they finally got up to get the tickets. And the father said, I'll have five tickets, please. Two round trip and three one way. Patience is hard, isn't it? I heard that patience is letting your motor idle while you want to burn rubber. And I know we all pray, Lord, give me patience and do it right now. No, it doesn't work that way. So what do others see with you when you're waiting in the longest, slowest line at the grocery store? Or how about when you're waiting for the chemo to work or waiting for your job to resume or business to reopen? What do they see as you're waiting for your kids to get their act together? Or when you're dealing with those EGR people, those extra grace required people. So why does God let those people be in our lives? Why why are they demanding problems in our lives? So we can develop maturity. James 1 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, this word here for complete means to be mature. God wants us to be mature, and and patience helps create that. So where would you put yourself? I should say, where would others put you? Where's your reputation place you? Are you seen as someone very impatient or someone who's a very patient person? Then how about kindness? What do you think? You ever have somebody send you a card thanking you for a kind act that perhaps you did? You ever notice the look on somebody's face when you were kind to them? Proverbs 14, 21. It's a sin to despise one nature, but blessed the one who is kind to the needy. Now, we already talked about the word love, and I think kindness is kind of love in action. It's being supportive. It's being sympathetic. It's looking for the needs of others, especially those that are hurting, so that you can reach out and comfort them and help them and pray for them and walk alongside of them. Again, where would you mark your reputation in this area? Are you seen as someone with kindness or are you kind of mean to people in need? Be honest. How about the next one, the word goodness? 
I think good is a really interesting word in our, in our language here. I think we want to look good, right? We want to feel good. Uh, we try to be good. We love things that taste good, and, and we want good weather and a good report card. And I'll bet when you were young, your parents even said, go out and have fun, but be good. And you thought, well, how's that going to work? You know, it's an interesting word that we have. Proverbs 14, 22. Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. The dictionary defines good as uh, being a quality of being morally good, virtuous. And listen to this. In the Bible, the word good and goodness is used 619 times. I guess it's a pretty important way to live our lives. And of course, Jesus is the good shepherd because he loved us unconditionally. And we're called to live a life that reflects his character. I think the motto, you may have heard this before, but the motto in life is to do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, at all the times you can, for as long as you can. So where does your reputation place you? Are you seen as goodness and that other word, evil? That is, if you look up in the dictionary, the opposite. So where do you go with all of that? How about faithfulness? It's being unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something, consistently putting it into practice, regardless of the situations around you. Proverbs 3.3 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, the most famous geyser in the world is Old Faithful. It's not the biggest. It's not the most powerful. But what makes it famous is the fact that it's faithfulness to run like clockwork, right? Dependable. Well, that's just a geyser. How about you? And it comes from a place of love and trust with God. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is a confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we don't see. It's important for us to be faithful to God and then faithful to what we tell other people that we're going to do. So again, where does your reputation place you on this one? Are you seen as someone faithful to God and to other people, or are you seen as someone pretty unfaithful? About gentleness, what do you think? Dictionary defines gentleness as a quality. It's uh, being careful uh, and caring. It's being uh, describing the way you act when you're soft, when you're calm, when you're sweet to people. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, and I looked at this one and I thought many times in our zeal to clean up our act, or maybe in our zeal to try to clean up somebody else's act, we use words that are condemning. We use criticism and nagging and fits of temper. We force our way in. Maybe we use hard language, harsh language, and and we think we're doing right, but that never works. Gentleness is what works. That's a sensitivity. It's a kindness of behavior. And it's founded and prompted by God's love. So again, where would you put that mark? Somewhere between being harsh and gentle. And then finally, what do you think about the word self-controlled? Hmm. 
That's grown in a demand for people lately, being self-controlled. It's a sign that Christ is living in us. If our desires lead to our decisions, that's not going to work good. We're going to be out of control. But self-control is a discipline that God grows in us. So how do you think you're doing? Now, this isn't the reputation part. How do you personally think you're doing with self-control? How about with food? How about with drinking? How about with anger? How about with foul words? Smoking? Fill in the blank? What do you think? Just take a second. What area in your life do you struggle the most with self-control? Titus 2, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. I think we all know the world is out of control, but the question today is, where's the reputation put you? Are you seen as someone who is out of control or someone who's self-controlled or somewhere in the middle? So you're probably wondering, why did you ask me to do this? What is the point of all this? Well, what I want you to do is identify whether you are reflecting God's love to the people around you and which areas do you maybe have a lower score on and you think, hmm, I need to work on that area. And so you say, that sounds good, Pastor, but how do I do that? Well, you know what? I think that, uh, let me move one slide past here. I think the question is, how can our actions foolproof our reputation? Well, it starts by inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and work within you so that you can be more Christ-like. Now, here's a great section of scripture for your everyday life. Listen to this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so you know who Jesus is in your life, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So let's think of a healthy tree. Strong roots, right? Got to hold it down when the storms come and blow against it and to get nourishment so that it can grow up and have branches and flowers and fruit and places for birds to be. And Colossians that we just read, that describes us as well as Christians rooted in God's word, rooted in his word for strength and nourishment. Do you do that? Do you get into prayer daily? Do you get into God's word daily so that you can be growing and becoming all that God wants you to be? Are you being strengthened in your walk through God's word? Are you a blessing to others? And certainly are you responding to God calling you to be Christ-like, producing good fruit and living out his plan for you? Is the Holy Spirit guiding you and working in and through you so that your reputation would draw people towards Christ, towards his church? Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to have a sterling reputation because it's better than even striking it rich. Are you ready? You're going to stay rooted in God's word and watered in prayer and cultivated into God's church. Find your place here at our church so that that fruit will be produced in and through you. 
couple of action steps perhaps triggered a, a, a note here, a nerve that is going to make a step forward. Are you ready to say, I'll assess how my words and actions impact my reputation? Others are watching you. They're watching what you say and what you do. Are you ready to say, I'll be rooted in God's word daily? Are you going to every single day get into God's word? And then are you going to strive for that sterling reputation comes through the Holy Spirit bringing those gifts into your life. Lord, thanks for loving us. Thanks for calling us to be your children. May we represent you and reflect your love through our words, through our actions. May we have sterling reputations to your glory. May we have a faith that's put into action for all to see. May the Holy Spirit fill us with love and joy and peace and patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we do it all to your glory, Lord. Amen.